Well, grace, peace, and mercy be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we conclude our series of God Is. Uh, we just did four weeks. This will be our fourth week. Uh, to be honest, we could have done a whole year of this series because God has so many wonderful attributes to be able to share with us and for us to be able to know a little bit more about him. Uh, just for brief review, uh, we did God is merciful, we did God is trustworthy, we did God is um, um, love, and then today we're going to do God is holy. God is holy. Uh, so we'll start our next, uh, our next series this following week. It's going to go through the summer. should be super exciting. We're going to do a series called At the Movies. Uh, so we're going to look at a different movie every single week and see how it combines with Scripture. Got some really fun ones. So for next Sunday, if you want to see the movie uh, ahead of time or just check it out, we're going to do Father Stew for this upcoming Sunday. So if you want to see the movie ahead of time, I promise we won't like share any spoilers in the sermon or anything like that for the movies. But if you want to see it and then see how that corresponds with our Bible text for the day, uh, check it out. So God is holy. What does that mean? You just heard it in our children's message today that God is set apart, that he is perfect, that he is, he is special, that he is very, very unique. And it's a great Sunday to be able to look at this theme because this Sunday is Holy Trinity Sunday. Holy Trinity Sunday is a Sunday which we as Christians, not just Lutherans, but Christians all over the world, celebrate that God is triune, that there's three persons. Uh, you say it when we talk about the creed, we say it in our prayers, we say it during our time of confession and absolution, that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And not three different gods, but one God with these three persons. Another hard concept, even for us as adults, to be able to understand. And there's been a lot of time throughout history that people have popped up with different heresies of saying why this isn't true, and that's why we still confess it today, to be able to say it is something that we believe. Not because we created it, but because, again, Scripture shares this principle with us. Now, to be completely uh, open so everybody knows, maybe this will be the one fun fact you get for today, the word Trinity is never used in the Bible. It's not there one time, so don't go looking for it this afternoon. Uh, but the concept is throughout every one of the pages. In fact, it's there in that gospel text that Lindsay read for us today talking about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all there and all present at the same time. Uh, from our gospel text again today, from the book of Matthew, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased." You see all three persons there, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Obviously, the Son is Christ himself who is being baptized. Obviously, this voice from heaven is God the Father calling down this great uh, just claim of who his Son is. And then, of course, this form of the Holy Spirit coming down in this shape of the dove. That's why a lot of times you'll see in stained glass windows or on confirmation robes, uh, the symbol of the dove representing the Holy Spirit. 
So go with me today to this text and imagine what that must have been like to be someone at the baptism of Jesus that day. People had gone down to be able to see John, to hear what he is going to say, some of them to be baptized themselves, but none of them knew that today was the day that Jesus was going to be baptized. Now imagine that event happening. It says that the heavens open up. What was that like? It's probably super memorable. You know, we as uh, men and women on this earth, we are able to remember things so much when we see them, when we have these, these exciting moments. And I bet the people that saw Jesus' baptism that day probably never forgot it. They probably remember who they were standing next to. They probably remember maybe what they were wearing that day. They probably remember the time or the season that it was because they have something really important that happened in their life. That happens for you and I today too. But not just in times of celebration. It happens for us in times of hurt sometimes as well. So let's move back and forth today between our gospel text and between our Old Testament text. In that Old Testament text, Isaiah begins in talking about a moment of hurt that is going on for his country. He begins in saying, in the year that King Uzziah died. King Uzziah was a king who came to the throne at the age of 16. Think about that. You think our leaders are scary today. At the age of 16, he's ruling everything. But guess what? This young man at the age of 16 ends up ruling for 52 years, and he does a wonderful job. The people love him. He makes their economy fantastic. He has great relations. He turns their whole kingdom into a wonderful place. And so when he dies, people are saddened, and they miss that their king has gone. And it's this memorable point within all of their individual minds. They remember when it happened. Maybe for some of us here today, that would be memorable moments in our world's history. But there's somebody who remembers the day that JFK was, was shot, where they were at and what happened during that time. I bet a lot of you remember the day in which that first plane and then that second plane struck the World Trade Centers and what that was like and where you were or who you were with. I can remember just being in like second grade and watching on TV early in the morning when we got to school, the Challenger shuttle going off and then exploding in the air. Do you remember where you were during some of those moments in our world's history? Maybe for some of you, it's even more personal than that. It's not just an event that happened outside of your home. Maybe it's one that happened inside of your home. Maybe you can recall the year that your mom died or your dad died. Maybe you can recall the year that you got a divorce. Maybe you can recall the year that a loved one around you was diagnosed with cancer. And it put this timeline on your life. I tell you those things because that's what's happening in the life of Isaiah today. He runs our text off of this event that happens. In the year that King Uzziah died, he remembers. And he remembers a very important event. He said, I saw the Lord 
high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. I can't even begin to imagine what this must have looked like to be able to see the Lord and to be able to see him in his glory on his throne. Uh, I hesitated to show you any picture today because I don't think any artist that has ever lived or ever will live will even be able to capture an iota of what it must have been like to see God in his complete glory. It must have been amazing, just like when those heavens were opened. Isaiah talks about these angels that are up there singing and they're praising God, these seraphim that have these six wings. And it says that they were calling out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. There's our attribute of God for today, that God is holy. And don't miss that repetition that's there. Isaiah really wants to get that to us. God is holy, he is holy, he is holy. God is perfect. God is set apart. He is unlike any other that we have ever seen, ever heard about, or could even imagine. How do you think Isaiah felt when he saw God in that moment? For the first time ever, something that is unperfect being exposed to something that is perfect. The best word that came to my mind this week was unworthy. I think that's how I would feel. I think I would feel unworthy being around uh, a perfect being like that. And that seems to express exactly how Isaiah feels. He goes on and he says, you know, woe is me. I cried, I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King and the Lord Almighty. Isaiah is worried that just the fact that he has seen God with his eyes, that he is going to be destroyed himself. God is so perfect, and this is literal, that he believes that he is going to be put to death because he himself recognizes how unclean or how sinful he is. Have you ever had a moment like that? That you actually recognized how sinful we truly are? It's hard for us to see sometimes, going about our normal day, going about our regular activities. It's hard to be able to to capture. Uh, Maybe I can use this as an example this morning. So when I was in seventh and eighth grade, when I went to junior high, the junior high that I went to, uh, at the end of the year, if you had gotten three or less demerits, they would take all of us to Disneyland for the day. That was great. I didn't, they didn't do that anymore. They would just put us on a school bus, a whole bunch of 7th and 8th grade boys and girls, and then they just let us go at Disneyland and then pick us up later. It was great. But we would all go and have these trips instead of being able to go to school. It was this incentive, if you will, that the uh, school gave us for not being tardy and turning our work in and being well-behaved. And so my 7th grade year, we had gone, and we were riding uh, Space Mountain. Anybody ever ridden Space Mountain in California before? Yeah, most of you. Uh, you know the ride. It's super dark inside. It's kind of like you're on a, a rocket ship and you're flying around and there's these beautiful like celestial bodies that are there and these planets and shooting stars. And I'm on there with like four other uh, seventh grade boys and we're flying through and of course we're just screaming our heads off. And then all of a sudden our rocket just stops 
I mean, it just freezes and lock, locks up super, super fast. And so we're just sitting there and we're looking at everything. And then five minutes later, we're still sitting there. And we're like, has somebody forgotten about us? Or we're trapped on this ride. At least we weren't upside down or anything like that. And then somebody had to make the decision at one point to be able to have us come and get off the ride and walk out. And before they did that, uh, they turned all the lights on inside the building. And this is a picture of what it looks like inside there with none of the pretty stuff. It is literally just metal beams all over the place. Looks like scaffolding at best and just cement. That's it. There is, there is nothing else that is inside that place and you would never know it until the, the lights actually come on and show it for what it is. Our lives, I think, are like that in a, in a lot of ways. That we just, we just ride through life and we see all these great things and everything is going fine, but we really need that, that light of God to, to shine down upon us and show us what our life truly is. We actually do need to recognize in our life that we are people who are unworthy, that we are people who are sinners. And we don't often see that when we're hidden in the darkness or the abyss of this world, but it's always there inside of us. This is a piece of what Isaiah sees when he recognizes who God is. And he recognizes that he is not perfect. It happens to John, too, in our gospel text. Let's move back to that again this morning. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, Jesus. And he's not wrong. He's the one that needs forgiveness from Christ, not, not vice versa. Being in that presence of Jesus, he recognizes that he is not perfect. He recognizes that, that he is unworthy. But Jesus still comes to him and says, no, let's, let's do this to be able to fulfill the scriptures. Back to our text for Isaiah. Isaiah is in this unworthy state. And it says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs of the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Don't miss that piece that is highlighted in orange. Isaiah needed to hear this. John needed to hear this. And we need to hear this. In fact, say this together with me today. Just the part that's highlighted in orange. Let's say it together. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Man, that is good news. Have your guilt taken away. We recognize our unworthiness, but God says, push it aside. Don't be guilty. Don't focus on that because your sin has been atone for. I sent my angels down to be able to share this forgiveness with Isaiah. I sent that spirit down at Christ's baptism to be able to show the people that this is the individual that was going to do that. And God still sends his Holy Spirit unto our hearts today so that we may recognize that God changes us. Because he is holy, we too receive a piece of that holiness. We too receive a piece of what is yet to come. 
And we should be super excited about that because when we recognize that, God continues to push forward with who we are. Paul puts it this way when he talks to the church. He says, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. I wouldn't have known that I was doing wrong if I didn't understand these things, if somebody didn't tell me what was happening. The law that is written in the Ten Commandments, the law that is written upon our hearts, we have to have this. Because when we understand the law, when we understand that we are unworthy, we understand that we have a need for a Savior. We understand that God is someone that we have to have in our lives. And then we truly take in that gospel message. It makes it so much more for each and every one of us. And then when you know that gospel message, for everybody here today, I I hope it changes the way that you think and the way that you you live, the way that you work, the way that you parent, your entire life. That's what God's gospel should really do for us. God doesn't have to have us in his equation, but he chooses to have us be a part of that, to be able to share his word, in fact. That's what he tells Isaiah, and these words come to you today too. God says, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Don't miss that last word there, us. God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Who will I send God says, and who will go for us? You know, one of the neatest things in Scripture is when I look at every one of those accounts, I see a God that is constantly reaching out to his people. Do you remember the story of of Zacchaeus when he's hiding up in the tree and God reaches out to him? Do you remember the story of the woman at the well when she's there in the middle of the day when it's super hot because she's ashamed to be around other people, and God reaches out to her at the well? Do you remember the story of Paul, formerly known as Saul, who's on the road to Damascus, and God reaches out even when he's on his way to be able to persecute Christians? Do you remember the story of Eve, when she's in the garden, and she's just sinned, and she's hiding from God, and God still comes, and he reaches out to her? Remember the story of the thief on the cross who's probably sinned most of his life just like us and he's there in his last moments and Jesus even in his last moments reaches out to him. Where are you at today? In a tree? On a road? By a well? Wherever you are at, I promise God reaches out to you today with that great question, who shall I send? Who will go for us? And I pray because of his spirit in your heart, you will have that answer. Here I am. Send me. Send you to your your neighbors. Send you to your children. Send you to wherever your ministry context takes you. Because we remember that even though our texts begin with that comment that King Uzziah has died, we remember that our King Jesus is still alive. And when we hear those words and celebrate that today, again, I pray that all of us, every one of you in here, will receive that promise and that challenge and say, here I am, Lord, send me. Let's pray. God, we thank you for sending your Son to this earth for us. 
that we may be able to live as your disciples, people who know that we are not perfect, but because of you, you create that inside of our hearts, inside of our bodies, and you will have full fulfillment of that uh, in a world that is yet to come, in heaven, in perfect paradise with you. Again, please continue to be able to challenge us uh, in ways to be able to share your gospel with people around us, that we may know of your good news and be able to celebrate it here on earth until we await that perfection with you. In Jesus' name, we lift all of these things. Amen.